रोशनी का कारवा दिस पॉडकास्ट इज ब्रॉट टू यू बाय बैरियर ब्रेक सॉल्यूशंस प्राइवेट लिमिटेड एंड स्कोर फाउंडेशन Hi my name is George Abraham and welcome to this edition of Iway Conversations my guest today is uh, Divyanshu Ganatra who is a resident of uh, Pune and uh, he is known for his involvement with adventure sports and training you know the last time we uh, met a uh, couple of years ago in delhi you were talking about uh, the mumbai marathon and that you were going to participate in it how did you actually get started with the marathon and how many marathons have you run um uh, interestingly this is this is to my foundation adventures beyond barriers foundation so uh, while while i personally have very few marathons to my record uh, the organization through which we do this and promote marathons and promote uh running for persons with and without disability we've done more than dozen marathons and uh, we were the official allies with Tata Mumbai marathon to make it an inclusive marathon to to make it accessible to all people with disability uh and to have an equal platform so that was the start and uh we started with making the 10 kilometer marathon accessible and inclusive and we had 125 runners with disability and 125 cxos from fortune 500 companies running as their allies um so so that was a start in 2020 when you uh, talk about uh, making the marathon accessible is it just an escort runner or an ally runner with you or is there anything more to it oh there's a lot more to it uh so so you you need an escort or an ally one one it is to to promote the marathon or to promote the event as an inclusive event first of all so when when somebody with a disability wants to participate do they have the opportunity to participate many marathons do not have that option so if i am in a wheelchair there is no option for me to participate in an event like that so if i'm blind then i i i need an ally runner uh with with tether with with having the medal being accessible having the forms that uh need to be filled out to be accessible uh there's so many small pieces that go, go into making an event accessible uh for various forms of disability not just uh for blind runners so uh we we look at every component of of the entire event and make it inclusive and accessible you also uh, uh, have been involved with uh, uh, paragliding yes now uh, tell me a little bit about it as to how people with disability actually uh, do it and uh, how did you get involved and uh, if somebody wanted to paraglide um, courtesy your uh, foundation how does one go about it So again, uh, what what we look at um, really through the foundation, uh, George, is um, we we look at adventure sports as a tool to promote inclusion. So we we do all forms of adventure sports from from running, mountaineering, trekking, scuba diving, cycling to paragliding. So we do all forms of adventure sports, and each one of them is made accessible to all forms of disability. Each one of them. 
We have instructors who are trained to handle people with disability. We look at the entire ecosystem. And then we also um, uh, use that tool to promote inclusion because every one of these are done as equals for people with and without disability. They all play together, get to know one another. They, do, they have the same goals uh, and they have the same way of doing it. Um, just that I might have some accessible uh, adaptive equipment there. So similarly for paragliding, it's the same. It's just like everybody else. We just may use some adaptive equipment. So for example, if somebody uh, in a wheelchair wants to go and fly, uh, then we have specific harnesses for the wheelchair uh, so that your wheelchair gets tethered to the glider. Um, I, as a blind pilot, uh, we use a lot of radio communication. Uh, the that team, we, we train, train, train. We, we have... Uh, you know, a lot of hours of training behind us before someone like me who's completely blind goes out there and flies. You know, uh, uh, Divyanshu, normally when a person gets involved with, uh, say, mountaineering or uh, uh, paragliding or uh, cycling for that matter, it's normally the passion that drives and, uh, and say, for example, I as a person with disability might not have the avenues to actually mm. pursue it. Mm, and therefore, exactly. uh, when I read about uh, an organization that actually organizes and trains people in these areas, uh, I, would, I would be kind of getting in touch with you. So uh, how do I get in touch with you? And uh, what are the various steps that you will put me through? Right, George. So the very first step is you can reach us uh, at abbf.in. That's our website. Yeah. Uh, and then there are various uh, levels, various outdoor experiences that we curate. Uh, not everything is super uh, um, extreme. There are smaller events, there are easier events. There are So we have graded events, the different difficulty levels. Um, there are people who can just join us with absolutely no training, no background, just leisure. Uh, and, and there are some, some that are graded as high, high uh, intensity, for which then we get them the training necessary. Uh, there is a lot of preparation that goes into it. We, we get involved in the preparation. Like just for the Tata Mumbai Marathon, we had multiple uh, practice runs that we organized for everybody. Not just for the runners with disability, but also for the allies with disability. So the whole uh, event, it took six months because we had multiple practice sessions. We had multiple uh, briefing sessions. We had multiple sessions for the nutrition. We had multiple sessions to help them understand what to expect on the day of the event. So each one of the event, we, um, we, we have these protocols. If it's a fairly easy event, they can just join in the morning. We give them the instructions that they get to do it. Well, but the very first step is just um, reach out to us at, at abbf.in. It doesn't matter if you're a person with disability or you're a non-disabled person. But if you want to participate in, in any one of these sports, uh, not just because you love the sport, but also because you see a world that's more inclusive, um, that's, that's an excellent starting point. Now, uh, adventure sport uh, over the years has become a very specialized area. Um, there's a lot of professionalism also, which has kind of come in. So does uh, ABBF kind of work on these various uh, sport in collaboration with other professionals or you have all the know-how in-house? Uh, good question. So for us, safety is 
paramount. There is absolutely nothing that flies uh, if the safety protocols are not in place and we spend uh, enormous amounts of money in safety protocols. Um, so, so for us, that's not an option. Unfortunately, many in India um, do not uh, look at safety with, with that seriousness. Having said that, uh, we the people we work with or whenever we engage in any activity, any outdoor adventure activity, the people involved, uh, the, the professionals involved are all thorough professionals. They have at least 15, 20 years of experience in the sport. They have been through training either with us, either in India, either abroad, have gotten themselves certified to be disability instructors. They're extremely sensitized to handling various types of disability. We have specific doctors with us on every expedition. So there is a lot of safety and professionals involved in every outdoor event that we do. So for example, just for flying, we have somebody with 25 years of fighter, fighter plane experience uh, as a chief flying instructor. Uh, all the other instructors have at least 10 plus years of flying teaching experience, similar with scuba diving, similar with mountaineering. We have Everesters who are uh, our, our instructors, who are uh, people who um, come on board as guides. So they're all part of the organization. They're all part of, they also do their own thing, but they're also part of ABBF. There is a fair bit of investment that ABBF as an organization uh, needs to make to make these events and these programs actually happen. So if somebody with a disability in India wants to participate, uh, what is the kind of approximate cost that uh, he will need to be prepared for? Two answers to this question. One, it depends on the activity, what it is. Like yeah. I said, some are fairly easy, some are fairly a day's event, some are pretty more like a cycling event from Manali to Khardumla is a much more, it's an 11 day uh, cycling event. Yeah. Uh, so it depends on the event, first of all. And second, we also assess the economic background of the person with disability. Yeah. Uh, if they are gainfully employed, then they have to pay the full charges, whatever everybody else pays. Yeah. Uh, if they're economically well off, they still have no excuse. Uh, and those who, who are economically disadvantaged. We believe that uh, financial disadvantage should not be a hurdle for someone to access these opportunities. So uh, there are many whom we have not taken a single penny from, uh, and they get full scholarships. There are some who get partial scholarships. Uh, so it, it, it's a call that we, we take based on some screening that we do. And I guess all these details uh, are on your um, abbf.in. From event to event, yes. If you know of anyone with vision impairment who needs guidance on living life with blindness, please share the Iway National Toll Free Helpline number 1800532049. The number is one eight zero zero five three two zero four six nine. So, Divyanshu, a personal question here. Uh, now, uh, what actually attracted or drew you to uh, doing this adventure <laughs> sport? That's a good question, George. That that's uh, that that's that takes me back years uh, before I went blind. Uh, 
growing up, I, I just loved the outdoors. I found God in the outdoors. I loved climbing mountains, trees, jumping into lakes, cycling. I was, the cycle was like stitched to me. And I just saw myself in the outdoors until I went blind and woke up blind at the age of 19. And when that happened, the world around me just told me, you can't climb mountains anymore. You can't do extreme adventures. You can't do this. You can't do that. And um, there was, uh, this is way back. Uh, so there were no opportunities. And even today, the mindset, the stereotype is people with disability can't do all of this. Somebody who's a quadriplegic can't do scuba diving. That's the stereotype. That's the mindset people have. So for me, initially, of course, I had other things to learn. I had to stand on my feet, uh, get my education. So all that took time. All those years went by. But the love for the outdoors never went. And um, slowly, uh, around 2011, 2012 is when I started getting back to the outdoors with a bunch of friends, with some professionals, started going climbing again, um, started doing my adventure sport. And then uh, one of the things that I always wanted to do was to fly. So it took me seven years of consistently trying to find somebody who would teach me how to fly on my own. I, I never wanted to, like, tandem was okay, but uh, I wanted to actually fly by myself and um, finally after seven years I found my instructor and that was one moment that really changed the whole thing because everything fell into place uh, one that after I went blind I realized that the biggest challenge as a person with disability was was not my disability it was the attitudinal barriers within the society and these these attitudinal barriers, mindsets, stereotypes came not because people were evil. It was simply that people didn't know. Uh, we're the largest invisible minority population in the world um, with over 200 million people with disability staying in India alone with 1.3 billion around the world. But you don't see us around. And because you don't see us around in schools, in, in public spaces, in movie theaters, restaurants, workspaces, there are, there's a lot of ignorance and stereotype that gets passed on. And uh, the, the handicap comes because of the way the world is constructed, not because of the medical reason of my disability. Then I went on to do my mental health and psychology and cognitive neuroscience and, and, and worked extensively over 16 years in, in just helping people change beliefs and the thinking and, uh, and modifying the beliefs and thinking. And when, when I took that first flight and I saw, the, saw people's experiences, I said, hey, I can put all of this together. We can use sport, one, to create opportunity for people with disability, get to do these adventure sports, which hitherto were not possible. Second, not just create these opportunities, but get people with and without disability to play together. Because when you play together, you discover so much about a person in an hour of play than a year of conversation. Absolutely. And when you play together, you become friends. You're no longer strangers. You become thick friends. There's a friendship, a bond that lasts a lifetime. And you come with a certain mindset. You come with certain belief that, oh, how can somebody who's blind climb this massive mountain or do rock climbing or do rappling or somebody who is quadriplegic do scuba? And then you do it with them. Now 
you you can't hold on to that belief anymore you can't hold two opposite beliefs in your in your mind at the same time one has to go and now you experience something that's paradoxical so the new experience the new belief has to stay and the new belief says this is possible this is how they do it and they're educated they have uh, phd's and ms and these are people from all walks of life they're ceos and mds and hrs and education heads and and they go back and bring about social change because within their sphere of influence and and that's the model for change uh these ceos go back and say hey why haven't we hired people with disability why haven't we opened our education to to make it more inclusive architects go back and promises buildings to be made accessible that every building they'll make from here on will be accessible because now they know why they know for whom and they then what a difference it can make when we create a world that's inclusive and and that's just to play so no better way to do this <laughs> so so it is it is uh, about shared experience towards changing of mindsets absolutely i mean if nelson mandela could unite an entire country just through sport that's the same model we have that we believe we can unite and make this world a, a better place through sport just by helping people celebrate their differences and creating opportunities because for people with disability the world has told them they can't do this and they've somewhere believed that they've internalized that you mentioned that uh, you kind of lost your eyesight at the age of 19 and it was an overnight kind of uh, episode uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that i got detected with glaucoma at 17 uh, never believed the doctor because i had no symptoms but by 19 as he predicted uh i i woke up blind one morning due to glaucoma and i'm blind as a bat no light perception at all so when this uh, overnight uh, transformation or metamorphosis happened uh, what was your reaction how did your family respond and what was how did your friends respond <laughs> ah so f- let me start with how i responded of course like like it was traumatic george it was traumatic i was i was hell angry i was sad i was depressed um it was hard it, it it to put it mildly it was really hard for a first first year or two uh my family has been extremely strong and supportive and and they just were solid real solid uh i think i think that's where i drew my strength from um and they went on with okay so yeah this has happened now we do what we have to do uh whatever must have been happening to them internally um i'm sure they were shattered i'm sure it was hard on them uh but but they were solid and uh, as for my friends they didn't know what to do with me so they left me <laughs> and i don't blame them anymore in in hindsight i i i, I it was painful because uh, well not just you lost your side but your friends now don't know you they don't know what to do with you uh they don't know if you can go climb the mountain so they make the plan and they they go without you so in a manner of speaking you were left with a new canvas absolutely and how how difficult was it to kind of fill in the new canvas initially it was hard but um, i guess one one thing that really i have been very persistent i've always been very stubborn even growing up i think i just used put that to good use i just channelized that in figuring out a way and problem solve and and just crashing through and uh, i've always been independent i've always been uh, uh 
uh, raised to be independent. Uh, so that really helped and they continued to do that. I uh, moved out a year later uh, to live independently because staying at home, that was becoming harder. Uh, so I said, well, I, if I have to learn, then I have to be independent. I just have to be on my own uh, and learn the hard way. There's no other way. So I just moved out. Um, I, I figured my way to earn my living, um, learn computers, did a lot of work in IT. So yeah, over time, over time, uh, George, it slowly started, uh, it started becoming nicer yeah. beautiful and 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 it, it's the best beautiful uh painting that i believe i have ever done in my life it's it's really beautiful now it's really beautiful to support our work with the blind and visually impaired you can visit the donate page on our website www.scorefoundation.org.in Please note www.scorefoundation.org.in. This meant that uh, you had new relationships, uh, new skills, because obviously it's easy to say that uh, you moved out and you, you uh, strive to become independent. Uh, but uh, what were the specific skills you think if somebody else who is probably at the threshold of uh, uh, starting a life with blindness at say 30. Uh, what are the kind of skills you think uh, is a priority that he or she needs to pick up to actually become fiercely independent? The very first thing is acceptance. Right. And to wear it with pride, to, to completely imbibe it in your blood, to be proud of the white cane and to use the white cane. I see so many who don't in India. They just don't use the white key. And, and that's your ticket to freedom. That is what will liberate you. The minute you embrace the white cane, the minute you really get out there, you will fall, you will crash, you will get hurt, but it doesn't matter. You got to pick yourself up and just refuse to let go of mobility. Learn mobility. Learn to get out there. When, when, when we were growing up, George, we didn't have internet. We didn't have uh, an Uber at our beck and call. <laughs> right. We didn't have talking devices. We didn't have screen readers. Absolutely. And 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 today, if somebody is going blind, I'm like, you couldn't have found a better time to go blind. <laughs> because there is no excuse. You have got Google Maps and you've got uh, you, you've got be my eyes and you've got all these assistive tech now. There is just no excuse. It's the best time to be blind. So on everything another... around you talks. So, so for me, somebody who's going blind, there is no excuse. I mean, there is just no excuse. It's hard for the beginning, but you go through those grief stages. But, but come, once you come to acceptance, um, you, you just embrace it and figure a way out. For me, putting I, I'm still, after so many years, still learning how to put paste on my toothbrush without making it... Uh, make uh, without going off the toothbrush <laughs> <clears throat> so so was uh, cooking one of the things that you kind of tried to learn yes absolutely i had to so what's the kind of food you cook so i tried i tried but then uh, uh, i did the microwave style and then i did the electric cooker style and uh, put everything mash it together uh, and then then slowly i realized that 
one one of the things George for me is I when I lived alone I hated to eat by myself and then I hated even more to just cook for myself and I had a long day I always was traveling I was doing a lot of things so the one thing I didn't really like was to cook so so that was one one um, wild card I told myself this is one wild card you can use <laughs> <laughs> push comes to shove I can cook for myself I can I won't go hungry uh but uh i'm like hey it's all right you you figured it out but you don't have to do it you don't have to put yourself through everything um so i i had a cook okay and, uh, and i learned to do my house and keep it proper but yeah. today i can i can have a domestic help um who ensures my house is neat and clean and i ensure that he does that but um yeah i i could afford these wild cards for myself so uh, when we talk about divyanshu ganatra and or read about him or uh, speak to somebody about him one of the things that come up is something called the yellow brick road uh, tell us a little bit about what this yellow brick road is how did it get started and what does it do and uh, what are your plans uh, so so yellow brick road is a for profit organization of mine it's a business that i run uh, i've been doing it since 2006 so it's been over 14 15 years now um we 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 are into learning and development and we we work with corporates and large corporates in organizational development in behavioral facilitation uh my forte really are are three things so i work with senior leaders in emotional intelligence uh i i work in achievement orientation or achievement motivation and i work in what is known as human process labs or, or uh, sensitivity training um this is some of the forte this is some of the core work that i do uh besides speaking engagements so i work with fortune 500 companies as a speaker um and largely this this started because of my background in psychology and cognitive neuroscience and in just application of cognitive neuroscience to everyday life uh most of it is jargon but how do you make it accessible how do you make it easy for people to understand imbibe and stay with it so everything in my life that really has happened all the transformation that you see is really simply application of what research is out there already so is there a kind of big market for this or uh, do you find it difficult to uh, find clients not really we are a boutique firm and uh, most of our work comes through word of mouth we we believe in zero marketing so we do not do any marketing anywhere no linkedin no facebook no nothing even in this day and age we do not use social media uh, we only only work through word of mouth and uh, and so far so good we've been doing well <laughs> so uh, you also mentioned uh, uh, speaking uh, now uh, tell us a little bit about this uh, uh speaking engagements that you have um, where does it happen what do you talk about and uh, do you travel a lot in this connection oh yeah so largely these are uh, either uh, motivational speaking engagements or uh, around inclusion and innovation leadership these are three of the things that i get called out for a lot um by by businesses all around the world i i just came back from western, western europe and then i was in dubai uh i i do a lot of speaking engagements here in india but that that's what really uh is why i travel uh, quite a bit thank you so much uh, divyanshu for spending time uh, talking to us and uh, 
wish you all the best as you go forward and uh, take care. Thank you so much, George. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for your time and wish you well too. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by Barrier Break Solutions Private Limited and Score Foundation. Yeah, Roshni, 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 Roshni.